we're going to be positive every day. You're the people being negative. You're in some of the fans. Larry Bird's not walking through that door, fans. Kevin McHale's not walking through that door, and Robert Parrish is not walking through that door. And if you expect them to walk through the door, they're going to be gray and old. And all this negativity that's in this town sucks. And I've been around, and, and, and when Jim Rice was booed, I've been around with Yashramsky booed, and it stinks. It makes the greatest town, greatest city in the world lousy. This is Entitled Town. Thank you to Rick. Thank you to Al. Thank you to the orchestra. Uh, Shaq, Scartelli, and Daver here. Um, let's start with you, Scartelli. Patriots 22, Dave Brown's Giants 20. Uh, what'd you like that you see, saw last night? I like that the Patriots won, even though they didn't cover. And so, you know, sad for all the uh, degenerate gamblers that were, Hi, uh, betting on, uh, that were betting on preseason football. And uh, I don't know where where the winning falls on the uh on the philadelphia eagles um practice or the or the amazing ravens undefeated uh preseason matrix but you're gonna hang a banner at the opener what do you think i i hope they do but oh, God, I was, for the uh, love of god i hope they do as well i was like i said i was happy to see that they won i was happy to see that uh there was some decent play out there um, the defense was, uh, what we, uh, what we expected of them. I think special teams did. Okay. I would have liked uh, a couple more timely catches from the, uh, wide receiver room, but, uh, I was, uh, I was overall pleased with, uh, with everything that, uh, everything that I saw out there, even though I got, you know, full, full disclosure, I did not watch the whole game. I was, you know, going in and out of the room where the TV was, but uh, I saw I saw enough to you know get a good uh, I think I saw enough to get a good uh, understanding of things. But uh, so that's uh, that's where that is. I appreciate your honesty. You're building trust with your readers by admitting you were in and out of the room during the entire game. Shaq, what'd you like about the uh, the win in the Meadowlands? Well, first of all, Scarcy stole my thunder as far as the Baltimore Ravens because I was about to say uh, the Baltimore <laughs> Ravens are the whose line is anyway of football. Ball. everything's made up and the points don't matter so <laughs> that's that's the, that's where that comes from so congratulations Baltimore Ravens um but as far as this game and really I guess I'm going to some this entire preseason up and saying that I don't think I've ever enjoyed a preseason as much as this preseason and it sounds weird but and it's not because the Patriots went undefeated of course it's nice but it doesn't matter in the slightest but what we've all seen these past few weeks are the new acquisitions who've made an impact, Matthew Judon, hello. Um, that's just one example. But also rookies getting meaningful reps and yeah. getting up to game speed and a, a roster that is surprisingly deep and a roster that's need, that needs to be deep, especially with this long season that's coming up. And it, it's definitely going to be leaps and bounds better than it was last year. And, of course, you can't read too much into it, but there are things that, you know, it definitely translates. So, but the biggest thing is the pass rush. My goodness. Uh, it's going to be formidable. Um, Judon, Josh Uche, fantastic preseasons. Yep. But I also want to say a big suck it Bedard for, because Christian Barmore has flashed and flashed very well 
Um, this entire front seven is very deep for the Patriots, and it seems like they're going to use their players to get to opposing quarterbacks more than they have in past years. So I, I'm really excited for that. And the running, the running game, uh, J.J. Taylor and Ramondre Stevenson both uh, definitely showed as much as they possibly could, and I'm very excited for that. So there's a lot of, of things to be uh, to look forward to, and I don't think in any other preseason I've felt that way. Friend of the podcast, Matt Chatham, had a really good apt comparison earlier today about J.J. Taylor, Shaq. You compared him to Darren Sproles. That's high praise. Darren Sproles is an awesome player. You stole my thunder a bit on Joss Uche. He's fantastic. Um, Devin Asiasi looked good last night. You know, maybe we have to take the Bill Cullen joke as well, bust label off him. But I want to throw it to, uh, to Dave. Dave. Were you weeping last night watching Daniel Jones play quarterback? Are you still are you still standing for him? Um, I I like okay with Daniel Jones. I'm watching last night, and most of the time I'm going everything he does. I'm comfortable with. Uh, I feel like he has poise. I feel like he um, I feel like he gets the ball out quick. He makes great throws, and then he goes just full Eli and throws the interception in the end zone with just. I don't know if it was miscommunication with Ingram or what happened there, but I look at what Daniel Jones was looking at, and I don't understand why he threw that ball. So it's uh, it's just isn't a that good the long Daniel drive. Jones experience? Isn't that Daniel Jones in the nutshell? Though that's that no, that's the Eli Manning experience for me. It's good long How drive, and then and then the wheels just come off, and it's a disaster. Most of the time, I watch Jones, and I feel like this guy can play. Um, you know, it's the preseason; we'll see what happens. I mean. The tough thing about I'm listening to all of you talk about, I think you all have, um, I, I think your observations all line up with mine in terms of what I saw in the preseason. But then I want to say it just doesn't matter, though. Um, and I don't want to throw any, any water in anybody's. Um, no, you're right. You're right. You know, it's the preseason. We've, we've seen it time and again over decades. I don't want to ruin it, but. Uh, <laughs> but well, you are, you do think, have a PhD in that. Maybe. But, but the Patriots, okay. So here's what I will say. This is a very exciting, and I can kind of understand why uh, why Shaq is saying it's it's the preseason has enjoyed the most because the um, first of all you have three games, which is making everything they, they've removed some of the the unnecessary football from all of this, and so it's not always like third stringers or you're not exposed as much to the third and fourth unit. Uh, but it's also this team is a real is a real mystery box and. There's a lot of interesting parts. What I think we saw in the preseason is the potential for what a lot of this could be. A couple months down the road, I think we'll have a better idea of what this team is, but mm-hmm. I think the process of finding out is going to be really interesting. I think the college, it's really interesting because I think the preseason games have been largely useless. You know, I, as everyone knows who listens to this podcast, I live in Seattle. The Seattle starters, Russell Wilson didn't take a snap in the preseason games. And I think that the the model is turned to these joint practices where they're very competitive and the teams don't have to put, put the things on film. And I think that's where everything's going. I mean, college football teams do not play exhibition games. They don't play, excuse me, preseason games, he said with Dr. Evil quotation fingers. So I think that maybe the model is um, those joint practices and that sort of thing. But, you know, as I mentioned, Asiasi, great. Darren Sproles uh, reincarnated fantastic. 
Um, so I think we've wrapped that up. Um, subject two, uh, let me go to, hang on, Shaq. We talked about this last week. Scott Zolak stepped on it, um, stepped in it on his show on last Thursday when he t- claimed that Cam Newton was distracted by rap music. He went on, he was on the Patriots broadcast on Sunday. I did not see it. I got the NFL network feed, which was the Giants feed because they were playing in the Meadowlands. This is Zolak on the pregame show on 98.5. Shaq, what's what the station? 98.5? The Sports Clan. Thank you. So this is Zolak addressing his comments on Cam Newton on the Patriots pregame show. Stadium. Zell brought to you by AdCare. 1-800-ALCOHOL. Speak up, reach out, get help. Asking for help takes courage. Be recovery strong. Visit AdCare.com or call 1-800-ALCOHOL. Zoe, Zoe's going to demonstrate some courage here. There? Yeah, I am here. Hey, guys. Good job as always. Thanks, Zoe. Uh, Zoe, you've made um, some headlines here in recent days. Yeah. I know you wanted to address <laughs> this first thing coming on, so uh, go ahead. Have at for- it. Absolutely. First thing coming on, and I, I didn't want to put this in, in, in the print or put it out there or you know hide behind any sort of a statement, but you know, going back to last Thursday's practice, uh, you weren't in Beetle. Uh, I was in, I was at practice, and it was Cam's first day back at practice, and we had some issues uh, back in studio, so Hardy and, and Adam were back there, and you know, I was trying to evaluate Cam through the process of you know his first couple throws, and I blame music for being a distraction in, in, in his preparation in between a couple throws that he had. And I referenced the, the genre rap of, that was being played. And that's something I know it's drawn attention to and um, for being racially insensitive. Um, I'm sorry for that comment. I didn't, I didn't need to make that comment. I should not even ever bring any sort of music into play because I have no clue what's going on in a you know, player's head. But it's been, been a rough last couple days here. And um, I wanted to do this on, on air. It's the first time I've been on air um, since Thursday. Friday was an off day. We traveled down here yesterday and i didn't want to do a call in or anything like that and chris i'm sorry if it if my comments offended you uh personally um so that's i, I appreciate that's, that so i i definitely yeah, appreciate I'm, that I'm passionate about this team the position you're playing the position that's basically the only position i watch really in practice so um, so so i know that uh, in talking to you yesterday you had said going down to new york you might have the chance yeah. to talk to cam did that happen did you speak to cam newton uh, I, I did this morning yeah, I, I, that, and that's one thing. I, I wanted to talk to him before I talked about this uh, to let him know. Um, and I, I got a chance to talk to him, and Cam's nothing but class. Uh, great guy. I just handled it perfect. I mean, that's all. That's between me and him. So, All right, so really quickly, the rap music comments, like using the moniker rap to music, um, he only watches the quarterbacks. Way to do your preparation. I mean, Jesus pole vaulting Christ. There are so many, there are so many of those things. Like, I was trying to evaluate his play after a couple of throws. Like, like he's he's applying this analysis of Cam being distracted by a, a very small subset of his practice at the very beginning. Why are you even why not take in some of the action first since you're only watching the quarterback? And give us an analysis after the guy has, you know, done something. It's, I mean, it's honestly, it's mind boggling. It's, I mean, Scartelli, I was like, I'm actually at a loss for words listening to that. He made himself the victim. I've had a tough couple of days. 
Oh, of course, jackass. You put your size 13 in your own mouth. He then pulls Gasparin, which is to me the most uncomfortable part of that whole thing. Is like, he's like, hey, African American dude, bail me out. Uh, which Chris does, then, by the way. And then he, he talks to Cam Newton on the day of the game, which is like, what are you doing? It's not a regular season game. I get that. But like, you're taking time out of this guy's game day routine, Scartelli. All of that. I mean, it's, <laughs> it's, it's laughable. What a. What I saw, my take on this, uh, my take on this take was that uh, Cam missed five days of practice because of the COVID uh, testing misunderstanding, and I think that Zoe saw him, you know, dancing to the rap music between passes and was mad that he wasn't acting more penitent for making a mistake. Yes, agreed, a thousand percent. Go ahead, go ahead. And that's uh, and it went from there. And, you know, maybe just maybe the, you know, the rap part of it was just, uh, was, uh, incidental, right. But maybe, but, you know, people were, uh, people were searching the Twitter archives for, uh, for signs of racial and other insensitivity. And let's say that there was stuff that was found that could, uh, that could back that up, but, uh, you're not, but, uh, he was, uh, like I, but, uh, there was no, uh, there was a this mealy mouthed apology, and that's all that anyone's going to get out of this. So, so he skated. So I would argue this before I throw it to you, Shaq. I would argue that this is kind of emblematic of the culture of ninety eight five, and the Pope of ninety eight five is Michael Felt. And there's been, you know, I think we should probably throw out some some sound bites that. Uh, the associate producer of Entitled Town, Officer Jay Santos, has in his archives. I just think the tone at 98.5 has been set by Felger, and it is antagonistic towards the players, period, regardless of race, color, creed. But I think it's particularly vitriolic when it comes to the players who maybe don't look like Michael Felger or the other acolytes of that station shack. Uh, am I wrong? Or what do you think? I think you're right. And, uh, and the, the receipts exist. There are so many that go back a long ways, even so far, even maybe not necessarily the racially insensitive comments or the racially charged comments, but uh, going back to when Felger had all those Dish and James comments about the uh, Roy Holiday passing and yes. just the sounds he's making about the splat and the zoinks and you know making all of those noises. But um, I hate being cynical, and I'm not a cynical person at all. But I, in my heart, I don't believe that Zolak would have said anything, or this would have even been addressed if TMZ didn't pick this story up. And that was what really got the ball rolling when yeah. TMZ posted this and. It's not just TMZ Sports, mind you, because TMZ Sports is just another entity, but it was the main TMZ website, Harvey Levin and all his peeps there. When they get at you, they really, they really hammer it home and they investigate the story and go deep into it. So if it wasn't for that, I don't think that we'd be hearing much more about this. And the fact that we heard this was you know, how, as, as lackadaisical as it was, the fact that we heard this was pretty interesting. And again, it was the same thing with Michael Felger until it got picked up by Inside Edition, I believe, um, the Roy Holiday comments. I don't think we would have heard an apology from him. 
So it's it's a culture over there at 985 the sports clan. And specifically this incident, when you have, like you said, a game day, what what position is Cam in to have a real deep discussion, nuanced discussion about this? He has a job to do. Maybe, maybe yeah. you do it after the game when you know when there's a couple of weeks before they have to play the Dolphins. Don't make this about people accepting your apology. Just own it and say, I was wrong. I'm sorry. I shouldn't have said it. If you were just even put the line, if you were offended in there, just cover all your bases and maybe acknowledge and say a black man being distracted by rap music is racially insensitive. Don't not just, oh, there are some people who might see it this way. Just own it. But, you know, you know and, and some and I think that's the problem in in this world of quote unquote cancel culture. People don't just don't accept when they're wrong. And we'll talk about somebody else who doesn't accept when he's wrong. But it's you know gaslight one on one, but well, but it that's that's it's just apologize, say you're wrong, uh, you know, um, apologize, especially apologize to the people you may have offended, and then did that. Dave, I have one question for you on this. Yeah. Where the fuck is Chad Finn on this? Chad Finn is allegedly <laughs> the media critic in Boston. What? I mean, Chad Finn wrote an expose this weekend, not about Scott Zolak's comments because he is the PR release writer for 98.5, the sports clan, but he wrote an article, God help me on basically the 1987 baseball tops baseball card set <laughs> instead of addressing gas. Uh, what the hell I, is going on? I resent your implication that all white people in Boston know where Chad Finn is, but, um, Maybe, maybe some do. Uh, no, I, I resent you for track. saying that. So we're equal. I, I don't really keep track of Chad, but the the um, silence is deafening and certainly draws your attention. And look, I mean, if your if your expectation was for Chad Finn to take note of this issue, then I don't think you're really a Chad Finn scholar. It's uh, holding the media accountable is not really his um you know his, his mo and it's it's really for him just about telling you who got hired um giving you some insight as to why somebody got fired and telling you what the ratings are and you know by the way he's only doing, on the back he's only you know, telling you what the ratings are because he was shamed into that so who shamed him um, I can neither confirm nor deny who did that. BJ BSJ <laughs> had it first. That's all I'll say. But um, and it makes you wonder where they got it from. But um, no, the thing is, the thing is, Chad is not is not um, he's not holding anyone accountable, and and that's representative of the media itself. There is no peer review. Peer review is when you write a nice review for Seth Wickersham's book. Like that's about it. Like you read it. And you rubber stamp it as being the greatest thing ever. And then you move on. You don't go through it and pick apart to any degree what the content is. You just enjoy kind of uh, the reinforcement mm -hmm. of right. the narratives that you believe are true. And that's really Chad Finn's job. He's there. As, he's like the glue that holds up all the narratives and makes sure that it all gets reinforced. And um, we celebrate, you know, while the war is ending in Afghanistan, let's, let's go back to baseball cards and, Celebrate America's uh, golden age of, of, you know, like of uh, by, uh, baseball cards and the spoke wheels and um, whatever was going on in the 80s that, that he was 
the, the nostalgia that he can't let go of. I mean, I couldn't write a script this preposterous where Chad Finn, a potentially huge media story, breaks. The media columnist for the biggest newspaper in the region writes a column about baseball cards. He got scooped Jesus. by TMZ. Uh, un- unbelievable. I, I, Shaq, I need, I need your input on this. Uh, holy hell. I, I, I know where Chad Finn is. He, not only will he write something about baseball or whatever, he, he'll be writing something. Remember that time when he wrote uh, the column, Sports Talk host Michael Felger is brash and cranky, but we can't stop listening. Yeah, that's where mm-hmm. he is. He's he writes up, PR releases. That's all he does. up for 98.5 The Sports Clan because that's, they, I don't know who pays him or whatever, but that's what he's doing. He's, he's, he's not, he's not. And basically what Dave was saying is, is right. Peer, what, what peer reviews are now is quote tweets on Twitter saying your book is the most wonderful thing since sliced bread and yeah. you yeah. should read it. And that that just go look at that tweet with Seth, Seth Wickersham's book announcing it. You have all every like blue checks all over the place saying how great and wonderful this book is. They You're haven't right. read it, I'm certain, but it, the the book is great and wonderful. I can't wait to read it, knowing that it'll be a piece of crap. I mean, Andy, pay attention. Andy Hart would call this a circle jerk without understanding what a circle jerk is. Scartelli, Chad Finn. What Chad Finn does to me is basically it's like if you're a hiring manager, you have to write a recommendation for a, an employee. That's what he's doing in his Globe column. It, and that's kind of embarrassing where he can't offer any real criticism of the, the people he purports to cover. I mean, for him to stay silent during what happened over this weekend, I mean, you are, I mean, to me, you are the de facto voice of the Boston sports fan and the critic at the junk drawer, the 15net.com. So Scartelli, um, please tell me you're going to address this in the next sports junk drawer. Oh, it's going to have to be addressed. It's a, you know, major sports story or, or, you know, sports adjacent story in the, in the region. So it has to, has to be dealt with. I can't just uh, mention that Glenn Ordway uh, retired again, apparently, which is what uh, Chad did in his Sunday column. It only happens every three years on the dot. Glenn Ordway announces his retirement. Well done, Glenn. I hope you enjoy Scottsdale. Continue, Startelli. I'm sorry. Congratulations, Glenn, on a job done. Not well, just done. So <laughs> I guess that was, he, that was implied. Ordway uh, appears every three years, just like the groundhog sees a shadow. So it's, cool. mm-hmm, it's one of those things. It was uh, the, just uh, the height of optimism to think that uh, – Chad was going to, you know, weigh in on this, but uh, my optimism was crushed, anyways. <sighs> oh, if, well. if Chad, if Chad did his job in a way that held people accountable, in a way I guess that maybe this podcast wouldn't approve of, he wouldn't have this job. They they would give it to someone else. But, but doesn't that speak? Doesn't, doesn't that speak? Doesn't that speak truth to? That job isn't a critic. It's just, yeah, no. it's, a, it's a voucher, Dave. I mean, you, you initiated yeah. the vouch and I yeah. hate you for it. But what I mean, he's doing is what? just vouching for, for media. I mean, my brother, um, by the way, a uh, quick statement. John is holding out like Stefan Gilmore from this podcast because he was suspended during the last podcast. So, I mean, Finn is not a critic. He's a foot massager. He's, man, it's, 
for anyone who has a critical thought in their head, Dave, I just can't, I can't make sense of this. You're not supposed to be criticizing the media if you're in the media. You're supposed to be holding accountable, I guess, like the Bill Belichick's of the world who do things like announce Cam Newton's, uh, you know, five games, uh, five days vacation from uh, right before the, they announce it after the press conference, right? So he doesn't give a chance, the media a chance to ask questions about it during the press conference. We need to hold him accountable for that. We need to get Dan Shaughnessy out to practice, to ask a million questions the next day. But everyone's busy with that. No one is, is uh, looking around and saying, hey, are we doing a good job here? Are we taking notice when Ben Volen asks, you know, invents controversies in his head and then asks about them at a press conference? No, no one's holding that accountable. Are we holding Ben accountable when he kind of uh, about the reality distortion field that surrounds him throughout the season where he convinces himself that Brandon Cooks has no value? No, no one's holding him accountable for that. He thought Brandon Cooks should have been released after the, yeah, before the, yeah. he was traded for a first round pick. Right. And then, and then got his salary doubled because he, and he didn't think that he was worth the salary. He was already making. In New England, he thought that Brandon Cooks um, was worth less than eight and a half million, and Cooks then got paid seventeen million. So that's the that's Ben's reality distortion field, which is a nice way of saying he's not very bright, and no one cares about that. No one cares. Breaking Ben Volan is not very bright. He's really quickly, very bright. Dave. Very really quickly. How much does that contributes that just idiocy on that beat has contributed to you not? being on the beat anymore so you choosing to step away well well there's there's so many things that go into it and i think the biggest factor is um you know just, just trying to fit it into my life right now um because a lot changed last year also the amount of access is reduced uh so like you know getting out of the house and going down to foxborough is not doesn't have the value it used to um but the upside is that you know uh you don't walk into a room full of people that kind of hate you so that's always fun to not be in a room full of people who hate you. And um, I heard the, like Tony Shalhoub, when he played Monk, he said that he realized after eight years of playing Monk and people looking at him like he was just the worst, that it, uh, it kind of has an effect on you. You kind of can't look at people looking at you that way that long. And, um, and, and yeah, it was nice to get a break from that last year. So I can say that it it took like the fun of going to Foxborough is mitigated by that part of it, and you know like like the the concept that Ben Volan might be lurking in the tunnel after a game is very real, so it happened. So you know, yeah, it it's a it's a smaller factor than some other factors, but um, it's a non-zero amount. Is it really that menacing to be addressed by a muppet in the Foxborough runway when he confronts you? It's frustrating because he doesn't understand what he's done wrong. And, that, and I think before that conversation, I thought that Ben was, um, was a malevolent actor to the point that he was very cynical and creating these takes because he knew how to do it. And instead, I discovered that he's just not very bright. He believes most of what he's saying, and, you know, uh, can't be persuaded that, um, that he's just trolling. Like I like the whole troll and bowling label. I actually don't believe it. He's just, it's just simple Ben. He's a dummy. So that leads well into a, a listener email 
that uh, that I have. This is an old board poster. Uh, this is Jill from Florida. Uh, Scartsy, she's Florida Sox fan for our, the old uh, BSMW guys. I thought this was a really good email uh, that ties well into your point, Dave. Uh, we talked about in the last podcast, like who's dumber, Volan or Bedard. And I think that's, you know, never ending race at the bottom. It's, you know, Michael Phelps swimming against, uh, you know, whatever. Um, yeah, Greg, Greg isn't stupid. Like that's one of the things that's, that's difficult with Greg is that, you know, he knows better. And well, I'll throw the challenge off. flag. I'll throw the challenge flag on that. Let me, let me read this quick, Dave. Um, yeah. This is from Jill in Florida. Uh, good morning, gentlemen, longtime listener. In the most recent podcast, you seem to equate Volan and Bedard. I disagree. I see them differently. Volan is just an idiot. <laughs> he can't even figure out how to unmute himself. Bedard, I see, is more smarmy and agenda-driven. He throws shit against the wall to see what sticks for his bosses at 98.5. He's also more apt to use coded language in his comments, i.e. the Barmore stuff most recently. Mm -hmm. Dare I say more Borgesian. I love that. Ron Borgesian is like, I think Borges is duplicitous and smart, and that's actually dangerous. I will disagree with Jill. I don't think Shaq that, uh, I don't think Greg's very smart. I'm very, very happy placing him. Uh, I disagree with Dave on this. I think he is a dummy on the Volan level. Um, dare I say more Borges? That's what, if you knew what I knew, the Ron Borges stuff, and he would also have all of Belichick's quarters. Dave, I'll let you talk before I throw it to Shaq. Yeah, okay. So I, I have to say that Greg is not bed level stupid. You, you're really, it's sort of like there's one Lawrence Taylor, right? And, That's one of those left-handed um, compliments, right? He's not bed level stupid. <laughs> right, he's not. There's one Lawrence Taylor, there's one bed lonely. Um, <laughs> but Dard, but Dard, He's just, he's just sort of, um, he's poorly calculated, but he's calculated. And he thinks that, um, he seems to, he seems to have deluded himself into believing that he's such a revered expert that he can make up whatever kind of mental gymnastics necessary for you to buy into, um, the framework of his takes. And they're just baddies like that, that. I, you, you keep posting all these things and I've just lost track now of, of the it's logic in his head. But it's the, never the weird thing that he's done is in, introduce that uh, Belichick's voice in his head. Oh my God, as, it's so like bad. Like a character in his stories where he'll be going, now what I see is Belichick is saying this to himself. And it's like, asshole, you don't have a source. This isn't a, this isn't a valid contribution to the con to the conversation around this team this is you imagining in your head what bill belichick is saying behind closed doors what the fuck is wrong with you <laughs> well the list is long and really not that important Shaq, help us out here uh, expound on dave's comments here is like i thought the email from jill was fantastic um yes. again i disagree but I think Bedard's a dummy. I think that's at the core of it. I think he's a dummy with an outsized ego with an overinflated sense of self-worth. And that is that's the true. dictionary definition of narcissism, Shaq. Uh, what do you think? Um, wow. This is like picking the lesser of I love evils. the Scartelli. All of us are doing the Scartelli sigh 
when we're discussing <laughs> Bedard. I love this. It's like picking the lesser of two evils. It's which one, which one is less dumb? Is this kind of is this the way the conversation is going? Because man, uh, I I can't pick which one. I, I guess Bedard. Wow. I, yeah, I I agree with what Jill said as far as as far as his maliciousness and the way he presents his comments and his opinions is very like bar. I can't get the Barmore stuff out of my head because it's just yeah. so evil at its yeah. core. It is just great point. Unbelievably, just it's it's unfair. And and even if you try to get an opinion, like I've seen a couple of of your tweets, um, Mike about him getting a comment about Barmore is like, I don't know. And then we played on the show a couple of weeks ago about him just saying, oh, well, I don't know what happened. He's just, he's just a liar. And a- Bolin's absolutely just, Bolin's just an idiot. And he's, he doesn't know how much of an idiot he is. And, right. but so I guess yeah. he's, he's harmless in the fact that he's just dumb, but he's harmful in the fact that he's the, He's the designated senior NFL writer for, for the Boston He's Globe. the national so NFL he, writer for that, the fucking Boston Globe. Yeah. I mean, so Dave's yeah. got to be beating his forehead off his Formica countertops at some place because, I mean, Ben Volan. Ben Mittens losing uh, dullard Volan. There's a point where you come to realize that um, the Boston Globe has exactly what they want. It's Absolutely. Not, a thousand percent. I mean, what... I mean, if, you know, I, I wind the clock back in my head, you know, 15, 20 years, and I go, if I had been told that the, the objective was to, was to be like that, would I have attempted to fulfill that objective? I don't think I would have. I had a very different idea of what um, people in those positions at newspapers were supposed to be producing. That's why I kind of turned out the way I did, and other people turned out the way that they did. Either they didn't know better, or they took on the mission of, of, of meeting that objective, and you know, yeah. Good for them, I guess. You know, I talk uh, Dan uh, at Patriots Daily, Dan Staley, who is a regular member of this podcast ensemble. I can't tell you how often that he tells me or texts me. He's like, "Jesus fucking Christ, I'm so glad I got out of that business." Uh, Dan's a Dan's a writer. He's written for um, Bruce Allen's old website. Scartelli, you want to put a bow on? The Ben Volan versus Greg Bedard, who's dumber? We can throw Gasper in that, but um, just wrap up this this one because we need your input. All right. In summary, Volan is who he thinks he is, whereas Bedard actually believes that he's almost a coach. He he's uh, yeah. got uh, it's a couple orders of magnitude off from how smart he thinks he is to where he really is, whereas. Volan is just like it was said earlier, simple Ben. That's how, very, that's my take. Very well put. I put in the threat really quickly. I put in our uh, our show thread earlier that um, somebody who works for one hundred four point three, the Fan in Denver, which is a sports radio station. His name is Orlando Franklin. He's leaving media to go to work as an assistant for the 49ers. And I know the Bedard is sitting there with gnashed teeth with the. The, the mask that's bleeding, uh, he's crying blood out of his eyes. So I hope that really makes Bedard just piss off. So um, I, I bet he's making passive aggressive comments. I bet he does talk about it. And I bet he talks about how I bet he frames it in a way that, you know, um, he's the smart one who should have the job. And 
if not for his really being devoted to telling it like it is, um, he would be, he'd be there. Well, I don't think we're in a position to criticize Bedard because I was not a recruited walk-on. None of us were recruited walk-ons to anything the way he was to a low-level, at one time, A-10 school. Uh, I wanted to discuss, we'll discuss this another time, Alex Reamer, pit, noted pissant Alex Reamer wrote a piece about Scott Zolak. He actually had the temerity to criticize Zolak when he stepped, he stepped in shit more often than I do walking my dog here in West Seattle. Um, Alex Reamer, you suck. You're like you're marginalized. You're a joke. Forget about it. Um, two quick listener emails before we go. Actually, uh, we discussed the first one from Jill, but veteran in Town emailer, Vinny Jace sent a couple of emails to us. And I just want to acknowledge them quickly. Um, First one is, why do people think Malcolm Brown wasn't good? He started 51 games the four years he was here. He started three Super Bowls. He wasn't a bust. Uh, people saying he's another Belichick first-round whiff. Well, yeah, they have an agenda. Malcolm Brown was fine. They choose to walk away from him. Um, anyone have anything to say on that? Raise your hand. I think we're good. The second part. Well, uh, go ahead, well, David. It, I'm sorry. It, it speaks to the expectations of people with first-round picks, especially late first-round picks. Yeah, 30, and 31, 32 picks, 32nd pick, right. He filled a role for them, but got to a point where um, the the fifth-year uh, option would have been too expensive for people right. playing his position. I think that I think they went and got Danny Shelton, and it worked out. So, yeah, same thing with you know, Sony. Right, right. And so, um, w- which is like a, a six of one, half a dozen of the other kind of thing, because, um, you know, okay, so they weren't worth, a super amount of money, but you know, they both fill roles and um, we're good for the Patriots overall. Agreed. Um, actually, there's one more email from Vinny and then there's a tweet that I want to reference before I throw it to our final thoughts. The second email from Vinny, actually, I want to discuss this on a podcast later this week, Scartelli. Um, I'm not asking you for an answer. Let's We'll discuss this on a later podcast this week. And I think this has been covered a lot, but I think this is actually a really good question. Vinny asks us, what was the media like when Belichick resigned as the Jets head coach? And that is, that's an episode in and of itself. Was anyone in New England excited to get him or did they feel like he did the Jets dirty? Again, an entire podcast. What was the story behind why Belichick left New York? Books have been written about that. So we can get into that when things get slow over the next couple of weeks. Uh, the tweet of the week that I have is from at green bananas one eight one. And I want to ask you Scar Telly this one. I love this tweet. Uh, so who's got the best fake banner hanging from the rafters Colts, AFC finalist chiefs, greatest incomplete pass ever Browns drafted Nick Chubb or Ravens undefeated in five postseasons. The floor is yours, Patrick. Oh, I think uh, <clears throat> it, 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 those are all excellent, excellent choices. It's so good. It's so good. But, but I think it's the, uh, I think you have to go with the, you know, the obviously the, the undefeated preseason. I mean, all those, you know, all those brilliant exhibition game wins. I, I think you have to go with the Ravens. The fact I, I have this image in my head of the younger Harborough, like cracking champagne <laughs> after the last preseason game, Dave. So what's, what's your favorite of those four, Dave? 
Same. Um, you know, the Ravens aren't afraid to go anywhere in August. It's a dark place in August in Baltimore. And if you've ever been to Baltimore in August, the humidity makes it a dark place. All right, so I'll throw it to Shaq. My favorite is Shaq. My favorite will always and forever be AFC finalist in Indianapolis. But what's your favorite? Yeah, wow. Uh, I, I still got to go with unanimous with, with Dave and Scarcy. But with this, the undefeated postseason is kind of like what uh, Met, congratulations, Mets 2011 wild card or whatever they want it. It's like, okay. <laughs> it's, I think it's, wild card participant. Which hopefully the Yankees will be, Dave. Wild card participant hey. will hopefully be the thing. Oh, okay, all right. Listen, I'm in no position to throw shade at. Uh, actually, I actually want to do a. Have we done a wellness check, Dave, on Parenti anytime recently? Has he oh my God, drowned like, in his own urine? Well, no. I mean, the Yankees won like a dozen consecutive games. and But he didn't die just, in his own urine in, in July. No, I'm blocked. He disappeared. He disappeared from Twitter. During that time, and I swear to God, he was on Facebook talking about like like writing nice things about his family, and I was like, "What the hell is going on?" Mike's been a miserable bastard for twenty the entire twenty five years I've known him, and now he's saying like he's really sweet things about his family, and it's abandoned Twitter. Uh, I guess all it took was just a solid two weeks of the Yankees not really losing, and uh, it kind of evened out his uh, you know neurotransmitters. So good for Mike. So 13 and 0 is what it takes to make Parenti almost normal. Uh, yeah, Dave, uh, yeah. Dave, your Don't final thoughts. Your final thoughts, Dave. Um, you know, I'm I'm interested. I think I, I'm interested with the Patriots this season. I think, uh, like I talked about at the beginning, this is mystery box, and there are so many things that that we just don't know how they're going to go. I know there's been a lot of talk about the quarterback thing. Um, you know, I'll just say again, what we've seen from Mac Jones so far. Good for good for him. Um, I, I think he he hasn't shown you any reason to be worried yet. But is it time to hand him the keys to the car? We don't know what's going on in, inside the building, and uh, Belichick has seemed to like Cam so far. So maybe it's time for Mac Jones to kind of learn how to prepare on a week to week basis, and uh, eventually, you know, that moment's going to come when. Uh, either Cam isn't doing it well enough or Cam has moved on or Cam is injured. And I think when that happens, I think it looks like, you know, we'll see if um, I don't want to vouch for Mac is I think what I'm trying to say, but I, it looks like I should vouch for Mac. I'm just not going to do it. I don't want to, uh, I don't want to ruin your nice thing. Take it then. Uh, so two quick rapid fire questions. One word answers. Who starts week one for the New England? Who's is Dave D, Daniel Jones with the Giants next year? I can see the wheels. I can see the wheels turning in your head. Yeah, I had to think about it as long as he's healthy because I think they're. I think they already picked up. No, his option will be after this year. I mean, this is only year three. Like, calm the fuck down. I mean, people want to dump all over these guys. It doesn't happen immediately for everybody. You know, Eli, Eli, I was done. I was out on Penn uh, in uh, the Hello middle from Peabody. of the season. I, I, was, I was out on Penn in the middle of the season um, in 2007. I was done with Eli. And he showed me, you know what I mean? 
So it's it's season three. I like a lot of what Daniel Jones does. I think he's steadily improved. Um, they were they were playing the other night without some some key guys without Barkley. Kadarius Tony hasn't had a chance to do anything in the preseason, and Kenny Galladay hurt his hamstring right after I pumped up the Giants on I was on uh, the Josh Marion show with Shaq, and uh, I talked about how great the Giants offense was going to be, and they all got hurt. So we'll see what happens. Never vouch. Uh, Never. Scartelli, uh, your final thoughts um, after the Giants game and leading into two weeks of inactivity uh, before the opener. Well, there's inactivity and then there's inactivity. We didn't, uh, I'm glad we didn't vouch for anyone because that would mean that they'd immediately get cut in the uh, days to come. Well, John's not here. I mean, John's not here for a reason. That's right. It's like uh, sending away the uh, cabinet secretary during the state of the uh, state of the union address, you know, off at some, you know, undisclosed location in case the worst happens. The designated but voucher. The, the designated voucher. That's right. But uh, it's uh, there's going to we've 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 said it. We've said it before. We'll say it again. There's going to be some, you know, veterans who will be cut yep. just because of the depth at, uh, at positions. Scartelli. Are you still steadfast? This cam starts September 12th. I'm going to say yes. All right. I, I, I hope I'm wrong, but I'm probably right. All right. That's not about Shaq, your final thoughts before I ask you the question du jour. Well, I have two final thoughts. The first one is uh, go fuck yourself. The people who showed the Giants Patriots highlights from the past highlights won't bother to get into. Did you have to do, were you subject to the NFL network broadcast last night with Bob Papa? Holy fuck. I wanted to hang Oh my goodness. Yeah. Him and uh, Carl Banks. Yes. I muted that. That was terrible. I'm sorry, Dave, but I just can't handle it. It was, it was. We cry about the highlights. Yeah. Weep over. Weep over David Tyree highlights and Mario Manningham all night. I'm here I will. That. I That's... will weep. I'm muting Dave right now. Fuck off, Brown. <laughs> I got, I got, I think I just got John out of jail. <laughs> there you go. Shaq, finish your thoughts because I was going to say something mean about David Tyree, but he doesn't deserve that just because his helmet had stick him on it. Uh, but uh, my last final thought is, um, and this is going to go into the question, into the question you're going to ask me, but I need people to understand that you have to get used to the idea that the NFL season isn't a battle. It's a war of attrition and yeah, it's not a video true. game, it's not a Madden game where you can just plug in whoever you want, whenever you want. Now we're still in a uh, COVID season SZN. So it kind of makes things worse. And on top of that, you know, the the powers that be have added another game to the schedule so injuries are bound to pile up it's a guarantee which is why i'm i'm go back to my first point of the show which is i'm so glad that bill belichick has built this team in a manner in which the depth the depth of the team is going to play a huge factor because he builds teams in depth to weather these types of casualties that's going to come up Cam is either, I'm not saying I want this to happen, but because of the way Cam plays, he's going to get hurt given his history, or he might suck, which also given his history, and at which time Mac will get his opportunity. But in the meantime, Mac will get used to the rhythm of an actual regular season schedule because it's obviously much longer than any type of college schedule, studying film, getting his body up, and digesting in-game strategy. So 
You know, all these media people who want some type of Lion King S coronation. Oh, you are the quarterback. That's not what you're going to get from Bill Belichick. So he's, he's, he's more pragmatic and he's kind of like me when I think that way, what are the odds of this kid making it through 17 games? If can't, can't can take a few games off. Cool. Um, I expect both guys to be playing and probably getting subbed out for the other if they're struggling. So that's how I feel about it. My final thoughts are I'm going to do my week's weakest. The worst of Boston media is a log jam at the top. They're all tied for the worst, but there's a special place in media hell reserved for Greg Bedard, Chris Gasper, and Mittens losing dullard Ben Volan. The email is entitledtown at gmail.com. The Twitter account is at entitledtown. You know Shaq, you know Scartelli, you know Dave's Twitter handles. And in closing, turn off your radios.